0: Uh, for those of you that have heard me talk about not being healed yet for my singing talents and abilities, uh, Jonathan is equally not healed yet. And so he and I, uh, we continue to make joyful noises together as we worship the Lord. But we were joking around that we want to make a Christmas album with he and I singing, and but not tell people, right? And, and they, so they buy it as like a gift, and then you give it as a gag gift. They're like, oh, we get this really pretty album, and it's he and I just making a joyful noise unto the Lord. So uh, I don't think it would sell, but it would sure be funny. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope y'all had a good Christmas. We had a wild time when you have lots of kids and it's just tons of fun and so so good and oh, I want to share a message this morning. Staying hungry for more of God by not settling in the land of good. You know? And I think that that, at times we can settle in the the land of good, you know? But we want to continue believing for God's best. And uh, if you were here this summer, I shared an amazing story of God's goodness, how we were able to move into a new house. It was just such a ridiculous, over-the-top blessing. Uh, As a short recap, we made an offer on house number one. And long story short, we ended up getting house number two, which was a way better house, just, just over and above. House number one was a blessing, and we're like, thank you, Lord. What a blessing. And then... He basically just opened this amazing opportunity for house number two. And uh, just recently, house number two sold. It took a long time because it was a fixer-upper. It needed a bit of help. Um, And uh, come to find out within the first day that the new owners moved in, uh, the AC compressor... Uh, isn't working. The refrigerator isn't working. The AC uh, vent, uh, like a pipe, leaked into an attic closet type thing that then leaked into water that then sagged the roof and then there was mold in there. And then when they started to use the toilet for the first time, uh, they flooded the bottom of the house because the septic sewer uh, was clogged up and wasn't actually getting out. That was day one in the new house. I am so glad that I did not settle in the land of good and went for the best that the Lord had for me. Amen. And we're praying for them, we got to connect with them, they're really nice people, and because the house is in rough shape, they ended up getting at a phenomenal deal, so they still have some margin in there to take care of the problems, but I was like, oh my gosh, right? I mean, just when some of those things happen, you're like, oh, Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer, right? (laughs) and uh but during the season when we were looking at the house uh many of my friends and, and family and even myself started getting the word that this new place this new house is going to be a season of rest like a promised land right after israel wandered for 40 years the the land of flowing with milk and honey was our season of rest and i was like yes amen and i was processing and praying before we closed on the house and i felt the lord say jt i want you to do a drink offering and i went a what I'm a, a drink offering looking through the Old Testament, you know, using Google. I mean, what did we do before Google and Yahoo and all those things? I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, uh, anyway, our kids have it so good our generation, right? Every generation gets to say that. You don't know what you had. And, you know, like the kid's like, a rotary phone? What are you talking about? Something that plugs in? I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, can you imagine what we're going to have in like 30 years? They're like, you walk? I mean, what do you mean? You got to just fly, you know, or whatever. Anyway. any rate... So I look it up, and, and it was what happened is uh, the Lord lays this out. After the Israel had uh, wandered they, they for 40 years, the Lord gives them the instruction in Numbers 15 about pouring out a drink offering. And, and, and some of the commentators look at the drink offering like this. If the, the roasted sacrifice was the Lord's meal, the drink offering, which literally was dumping wine on the offering before you uh, roasted it and, and, and burned it, it was the Lord's drink. Right? And at that time, uh, the, the Israelites would, Sabbath, well, that was when you drank your wine, was on Sabbath. It was your day of rest and relaxation. And it was as if the Lord was confirming that, you know, you're entering into the season of rest, the season of, of, of the new places that I have for you. And it was, just made me think that, you know what? There are lots of things that were good, but I want to go after God's best right? And after that, you know, I said, Lord, I want to do a a prophetic act. I want to go do communion in the house with the family as the first declaration, say, thank you, Lord, for your amazing favor, your amazing grace, your amazing blessing. So I went into the house. We did communion as a family before we even moved into the house. And I figured it was more culturally appropriate and acceptable than to find an unblemished lamb, build an altar, sacrifice it, dump water, wine on it, and light it on fire in the front yard. I just figured at this time and stage that, 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 that maybe the HOA would call and say, um, excuse me, what kind of neighbors just moved in, right? So it's like taking the spirit, but maybe not the letter of the law, right? And I wanted to just honor him in that. And as I've been thinking through this, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look through Numbers 13, 14, and 15 kind of as a high level. And in, in 13, the Lord speaks to Moses about the promised land. He's like, you see that? You're going into the promised land and I want you to send spies. So they send 12 spies that go into the land and they for 40 days, they look around. They review the landscape and they're like, this place is just amazing, flowing with milk and honey. Can you imagine it? at one point when they're coming back, the grapes were so big, it took two men carrying them on a pole. That's legit grapes, right? And so then they come back and as you know the story, 12 went in 12 came out, but they had a different perspective, right? In verse, chapter 13, 25 through 33, all but Caleb and Joshua came back with a bad report. They had fear and lack of trust, I really think. The Lord says, this is your land I'm giving you. I got you out of Egypt, I got you here, I got you this far, I'm not gonna leave you short. But in their mind, they just started to be fearful, right? And then in verse 32 and 33, so they brought to the people, a bad report of the land that they had been spying out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are of a great height. And they were from the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Now, I'll confess, I've never been a spy, but... If I was to go spy out some land, do you think that I would want to be found? Right? That's not how spying works. So how did the spies find out that they thought that they were like grasshoppers? It was in their own head, right? It's not probably like, these guys are really big. You're grasshoppers, right? That's not how spying works. You go in, you sneak in, and so in their mind, in their fear, in their lack of trust, they had this perception that they looked at them as grasshoppers and going we to squish them. But it was all in their mind and they were just not trusting. And so the two of them, Joshua and Caleb, were like, we got this, right? And then the Lord, after he took them through the desert and out of Egypt and all this stuff, his chosen people in Numbers 14, the Lord told Moses, I'm gonna wipe them out. A couple million people, gone. And Moses is like, whoa, well, you're God, you can do what you want. This is a JT paraphrase. However, they just all left Egypt And the people will think that you just brought them out to the desert to wipe them out. And the Lord, I don't know if the Lord set Moses up for a faith test or if they really did change God's mind. But either way, he doesn't kill them all out. He wipes out 20-year-olds and up. And they have to wander the desert a day, a year for every day that they spied. So they wandered the desert for 40 years until the generation of 20 and older died off and the younger generation died that were probably raised with that kind of faith in the Lord that believes that the promised land. And so after all this, he get you know, it's, it's God kind of spanks him pretty hard, right? Wiping out that many people. The very next chapter, look, verse, excuse me, chapter 15, right after he says, I'm going to wipe them all out. Verse two, when you come into the land that you are to inhabit, which I am giving you. And then they go into the drink offering. It was as if the Lord was saying, listen, I know I have to spank you. How many people that, have par- that are parents here, when you discipline your kids, you don't love them any less, but you still discipline them. So he's disciplining them, but he's saying, you know what? I'm gonna be with you in the desert during this season. In fact, when you come into the promised land for which I'm promising you in 40 years, I want to have my Sabbath rest with you and I will withhold my drink during the season. I will be in the desert with you. It's so Amazing, the God we serve, that he chooses to walk with us in that way as he's shepherding us through this season, right? So much like Jesus that he came and died on the cross for our sins. What a Savior. Oh, it's incredible. Our Heavenly Father He's so good, and he loves to give good gifts, and he gave them the gift of the land. He said, he said it so it's true, it's going to happen. It's just going to take a little bit longer than my original plan. They, they settled in the land of good rather than the land of the best. They eventually got to the land of best, but it took a whole generation to die out. If you have your Bibles, look at um, Matthew 7. And uh, I'm going to read it. Ask, and this is what the father is saying, ask. What is it that you want? It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give Good things to those who ask. Amen. How many times have we used a scripture like this or other place in the Bible saying, when you know, I am praying for that boat, that house, that situation, that job. Lord, I'm, I'm praying for that situation. And you know, it's great that we pray for things in that, what we're believing for. But what happens when it doesn't exactly turn out the way you thought it turned out? What if my prayers for house number one had come to fruition? I've been thinking about it. Maybe sometimes the greatest gift that we get from the Father is an unanswered prayer because he has a, something better for you. I didn't know all of those situations were going to come at the house, but the Father did. And in faithfulness and, and being blessed by the first house, he gave me this amazing second house that we're able to bless so many people. We have friends that are, that are living with us, family, they're going to the school revival, their lives are being touched and transformed. We had 21 people at the house for Thanksgiving and Christmas and the day after Christmas. So I'm really good to be here, glad to be here. Take, no, I'm just kidding. It was just such a blessing because we have family in the area, right? Whoa, but we don't want to settle in the land of good. We want to continue going on for the promised land. We want to believe that the Father is going to take that oof, into that area. And you know, I like it in Luke, this, in, in Luke 11, 9 through 13. He goes through the same series of lists, right? Ask, seek, find. But then it comes to the end. In verse 13. For the Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. It's like, you can pray for those things, and that's good and right and okay and biblical, but what I really want to do is give you the presence of God. I want to give you the Holy Spirit. I want you to come after the giver rather than the gifts. I want you to seek the who, not the what. I mean, even Jesus, God incarnate himself said, it is better that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. Can you imagine walking with Jesus, seeing all the stuff that he's doing in real life right there, and he's saying, it's better that I go. And you're like, you're God himself in the flesh. How can it get better than that? Right? And for, for, for my life, if you've heard some of my testimony, that's what my life was, is that I knew of the Holy Spirit, but hadn't encountered the Holy Spirit. I knew the wording. And as Duncan says, you know, for the longest time it was the Father, Son, and Holy Bible, Right? Without the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like trying to sit on a three-legged stool without a leg. Right? Father, Son, and you're, you're trying to balance. You know, it's the third, the Trinity, together. Right? That we can come together. And what is the Holy Spirit? He's our counselor in John 14. He lives with us and in us. The Spirit of Truth, also in John 14. He shows Jesus to us, John 15. He transforms us into Jesus' image, 2 Corinthians. He fills us with living water, rivers of living water, John 7. He knows all things. He's also grieved in sin because he knows that's not best for us. He prays perfectly when we don't know what to say. I just am amazed that we get to partner with the creator of heaven and earth to change form our world around us. You know, I didn't used to know that we could do things, right? I got saved and then I I was, it was kind of like on faith, right? When, if you've never met Jesus and you accept him into your heart, you feel a change. But for me, for the longest time, it was faith. I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. That's good. I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. I'm still on faith. I haven't felt anything. Well, I'm not going to hell. That's good. Okay. You know, and, and, and then boom. 10 years ago, I encountered the living God in a manifest way, and it changed everything because it's still on faith, but it was now on experience. And I've said before, you can debate theology, but you can't debate my experience. I had an encounter with the living God, and it changed my life forever. And, you know, you start to pray, and it says there, you know, you pray when you don't know what to do. And you've been in those situations where you're just crying out to the Lord, I don't know what to say. And if you have a prayer language or speaking in tongues or whatever, but how many of you ever been praying or ministering with somebody and to somebody, and all of a sudden, you get to the end, and you're like, that was the most anointed, amazing prayer ever. I'm like, wow. And you're like, then 30 seconds later, you're like, what did I just say? It's the Holy Spirit in you, through you. Right, It's 100% you, because it wouldn't have happened if you weren't there. But it's 100% Jesus and the Holy Spirit in you, being used by you and partnering with him. <sighs> oh, he produces holiness in us. He gives us spiritual gifts. Oh, my goodness. I remember, I've uh, shared a story before that, you know, uh, it's been a number of years. I, I went to, to Africa, and, and I didn't know that Jesus really still healed people, Right? and could use a skeptical trial attorney in that area, but between myself and a a Starbucks barista and a pastor and one doctor that didn't really believe in supernatural miracles like that, 10 blind eyes or partially blind eyes were opened on that trip. It changed my theology, and my encounter changed, right? And, And I remember before that going out, uh, on the streets, we, we would do stuff with Bragg Street and downtown Raleigh. And we'd go out and bless people. And I was totally freaked out. I mean, I don't know if that's it's, it's you or just me, but, like, I'm outgoing, but, like, going up to someone on the street, praying for them, it just made me feel uncomfortable, right, at that season. When you go off to Niger and all of a sudden you're out in the middle of the desert and there's just object poverty and sticks and all of a sudden blind eyes are opening and, and deaf, it was just crazy. So I came back, like, Bragg Street was no big deal after that, Right? And sometimes it's this exercising those faith muscles and trusting that the Lord has something better for you and them. But, you know, my life before the Holy Spirit was good, but it wasn't God's best. It doesn't mean that we didn't have problems. You know, not going to hell is good, but not allowing heaven to be released on earth through you is not best. And that's what we want to do. We want to change this area, this region, Because there's so much more. Let's take a look at Acts 18. If you have your Bibles. 18, verse 24. And now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of Jesus, though he knew all. Only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who thought through grace he had believed, for powerfully refuting the Jews in public, showing the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Can you imagine, here is this amazing, anointed, God-fearing, Jesus-believing guy that's transforming lives in this area. And Priscilla and Aquila come up. Who knows if you'd ever heard of them. Part of staying hungry for God and not settling in the land of good is humility. Can you have someone younger than you, that looks different than you, that talks different than you, come up and speak into your life? Or can you receive from them? Here he is receiving from two people And he's like, yes, right? And then we go on. Now he goes away, crosses the sea there. And at that same time, Paul then comes here in verse 19, excuse me, chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. This is where Apollos just was. At that time, that would have been like New Testament heyday Mecca city. Probably a population of about 250,000. It was called the greatest city in Asia at that time. Paul comes into that. There he found some disciples, likely like John the Baptist disciples because that's what Apollos was teaching, so it's likely in that area. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. That was my life for like 10 or 15 years of being a Christian. I've never heard of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? I mean, I've read about the third person of the Trinity, but I've not experienced the third person of the Trinity. And he says... Then who were you baptized? Well, into John's baptism, Paul says, "John baptized for repentance." Hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came, and they began to speak in tongues, prophesying. There are about twelve men in all. They're like, "Who is this Holy Spirit?" Paul lays hands on them. Boom! The Holy Spirit crashes in on them, and look what happens. And they entered the synagogue for 3 months, spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stammered and continued in disbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them, took his disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for 2 years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. After they received the Holy Spirit, the presence of God exploded in the whole area. All of Asia had heard, both Jews and Greeks, the word of the Lord. Can you imagine what would happen if all of North America came on fire with Jesus because they had an encounter with the living God? Can you imagine what would happen to this nation, this world, if a whole continent of the North America just just lit up with his presence? Okay, the guy in the back, thank you, I'm excited. There's one person excited that will be this, right? And then with the power of the Holy Spirit, look on in, in, chapter, in verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that he touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out. Can you imagine if you had a reputation that was so big and so grand and so full of the Holy Spirit and so anointed that people came into your office to steal your tissues? <laughs> Handkerchief, right? He's wiping the sweat of his brow. He's working. You know, all of a sudden you come into your work and you're like, my freaking chair is gone. Because it's so anointed because you sat in it. And people wanted to come and sit in and get healed. <laughs> How awesome would that be that you could carry that? I mean, this is what we're saying. There's these opportunities for us to see more than we've ever seen before. To believe more. Christians, uh, uh, we need to step up and go for it because the world doesn't need to hear that they're sinners and that they're dying. What they need is to see a revelation of the living God that loves them and wants to set them free. You know, in, in some of the Darren Wilson movies, there were these folks that were out proselytizing and sharing the gospel. And they'd been doing it uh, kind of a traditional, classic way, you know. And, and for years, they were going for it. And they praise God, they had like a couple of salvations. And whoever was in the film at the time came up like across the street. And they just asked the Holy Spirit to show up and change people's lives and touch them. And you see, they're like, oh, what? I got healed, physically healed and all that. And they had like five or six people came to the Lord in, in a few minutes. Because they had a revelation that God is alive, he's powerful, he loves you, and he wants to reveal himself to you. That's what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. It brings something for the longest time as I took my my walk with Christ almost on faith. But when you have regular daily encounters, which you can do at your home, it's not about coming to a building. We love to come together to encourage and comfort and edify everyone together as we're here. But it's to, to go out to change this city and your family. Then it's really interesting, as you see the rest of this stuff, they're seeing, the, 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 the leaders at that time are seeing some, some crazy stuff's happening. They're like, we want in on that action. That's amazing. So here they pray in verse 13. <laughs> I adjure you by Jesus, to whom Paul proclaims. And uh, then the, the demons that they're trying to cast out <laughs> speak to them and say, Jesus, I know. Paul I recognize, but who are you? And then those demons just go up and whoop up on those people, right? And then the whole town is like, what is going on? And so many of them were into witchcraft and sorcery and all these things. They had these, these, these trinkets. And it says in verse 18, And many of those who were now believers confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic art brought their books together and burned them in the sight. And they counted the value and it was 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail. Paul didn't come in and say, you sinner, get rid of that amulet. The presence of God came in. And it wasn't about the word Jesus. It was about the relationship they had with Jesus. And they turned in. They're they're, they're like, we want more. We don't want to settle in this land of good. And they gave the equivalent of 135, 135 years worth of wages. When I was in Niger... We were out in, I think it was Maja, out in the, the really remote area. And we were ministering and praying and believing someone was going to get healed. And it just, it wasn't happening. And Terrier, the leader, uh, came up and explained that there was an amulet. That to say that they're poor isn't even like an appropriate word. They have like sticks. And that's their entire life out in the middle of the desert, right? It just sticks. And, it, and, and it's just nomadic people. And at any rate, they spend like so much money. Because it's their livelihood if they're a witch doctor. It's their belief, it's their power, it's all that stuff. And Therese said, listen, you need to give that up. And as soon as he gave that up, which would have been an equivalent of who knows how much money for them, a ton. It's like saying, if you believe and give the entire 401k, your savings account, and your job, right? It was that, boom. He got instantly healed. Do you know the village was changed after that? right we're going to finish with one of my all-time heroes of the bible Joseph right in genesis 37 it talks about his dreams he has a couple of dreams where his family's bowing down shares it with his family his father and mother probably gently rebuke him they're like that's not a good idea so first and foremost if you get a revelation like Joseph Don't share it with your family. Be like Mary and ponder it in your heart. (laughs) Just let that play out, especially when you're the youngest. And then he's thrown into a well by his brothers, gets out of that, rises in the ranks, thrown into prison, right? Can you imagine the Lord gives him the dreams when he's 17 years old that this is going to happen? Can you imagine at one point when he's in the well and he's like, "Um, my brothers, who you said would bow down to me, just threw me in a well to kill me. And then I'm going to get sold into slavery and taken to another land. Missing it, right? Missing it. But the Lord said it. It's true. Did he have the faith? I think that Joseph had a lot of different residences but never set up camp in the land of good because he believed in God, that he had best for him. And I know there's times in my life when I feel a bit like in a well, a bit like in a prison. But if you look at Joseph's life, what if he had done it on his own? What if he had broken out of the well? What if he had broken out of the prison? I don't know if he would have been used by the Lord to heal and restore an entire nation was saved through him. This guy that went from the youngest to a well, to a prison, it ends up saying... He became number two in all of the kingdom under Pharaoh. It actually says in Scripture he became a father to Pharaoh, which is wild. But I think so many times it's like, you know, if you're like me, you come to the Lord like, Lord, I got these three choices. Which one do you want me to take? As opposed to, Lord, I'm yours. As we were saying earlier, I give you everything. I surrender everything. Use me. Send me. I'll go. Because there may be a fourth option that I haven't even seen yet but I don't want to settle in the good when you're a God of the great. And I want to go after the promised land that you have for me. I want to go after the plans and purposes. From, it was 22 years from when Joseph had the dream to when it came to fruition. But it doesn't ever say that he lost his faith. In all that stuff, he just kept believing God. I think that was amazing. (sighs) Whoa. You know, sometimes... It's not simply about the destination but the journey along the way. I think that Joseph, I think that Israel, I think a lot of folks learned a lot on the journey because sometimes you need to be prepared when you have a giant in the land that you're supposed to conquer. They still had to kick and conquer the land of Canaan before it became their promised land. And there are times when there's challenges and things in your way that you believe it. Now the question is, do you believe your God is bigger than the problem right? and the promises he has for you? So why don't we get ready to to stand? Get ready to stand, that's cute. Why don't we stand? You are getting ready to stand. That's called sitting. That's the pre-stand position. This morning, as we finish out 2018, as we get ready to launch into 2019, we want to come fully charged for what the Lord has for us. We want more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? If there is some challenge in your life and and you're believing that that's going to be taken care of, what we want to do right now is not go after the what, but go after the who. We want, want to seek the giver, not the gift. We want to receive more of the Holy Spirit so that we can change our lives, our family lives, and our region around us when we get changed by them. Can you imagine that they didn't know that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit came and all of Asia heard the Lord, heard of the Lord, That's possible if we partner with the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do this morning, we want to stay hungry for the Lord. We want to stay hungry for more of Him. We don't want to settle in the land of good. We want the promised land for our lives, whatever that is. We're going to stand and believe in it. We're going to do it together. And this morning, just for fun and to be super efficient, we're going to do what Paul did and lay hands on people and expect the Holy Spirit to show up because He likes to give good gifts. Amen but we're going to do it in an efficient way called a fire tunnel. And you can come through asking for the Lord, praying for the Lord, and that's okay because he wants to give good gifts, but I recommend that you seek him and want him and you want his presence. In pre-service prayer, we had two physical healings. One, people asked for prayer. We prayed. The other one, just the presence of God healed her. You think that the Lord doesn't know your needs? He knows him before you even ask, okay? So what we need is everybody that's on ministry team today.